Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Joe Dempsey. Joe is just your average regular guy who knows how to take complicated pieces of information and put them together in easily understood threads on Twitter. He's so fantastic. I love talking to him. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash start me up. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Joe Dempsey. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I was a little worried about that intro because saying show and Joe, I was afraid I was going to like, welcome back to the shoe, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, there's so much going on. Um, Yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. Actually, I'm going to, I want to talk to you about a tweet thread that you did first, but we've got a lot of subjects to cover, but you, you did this whole thread on uh, its consent decree entered between the DNC and the RNC back in the eighties. So I'm not even going to attempt to try to explain it. I want you to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) So as you know, I'm pro-democracy. And as such, I've been trying to sort of understand what some of, you know, the concerns around the country are and and, and what some of the things that we can look for um, that will help us in the upcoming elections. Mm -hmm. So I, you you know, I write threads and I do some research and and sort of try to understand things in depth and try to contextualize certain aspects Mm -hmm. of what's actually occurring. So in my travels, uh, I came across this thing known as a consent decree. And it was something that was signed. We're going back into the Wayback Machine now. Uh, it, we're going back to November of 1982. Mm-hmm. So in 1982, uh, there was a, a document that was filed in New Jersey uh, as a result of the Democratic National Committee um, suing the Republican National Committee. And the reason for this was in New Jersey at the time, this was under the, um, this was about the time that Reagan was being um, uh, 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 elected uh, president mm-hmm. in New Jersey, there was a group calling themselves the National Ballot Security Task Force, and what they did is astounding. I found out, you, you know, what phishing is, right? You yes. have that sort of, you know, in email terms, right? Somebody's right. like, you know, trying to get something from you or whatever. They went sort of original phishing hmm. expedition. This group of Republicans, what they had done was they had sent out mailers to predominantly black and brown areas Mm -hmm. and people uh, and neighborhoods and polling precincts. And what they, what they did was any one of those um, mailings that was returned Mm -hmm. or wasn't able to be, they basically told the the post office, instead of um, sending these forward onto any addresses that you can't match, Mm -hmm. send them back to us. So what would happen was you would send as the, as the RNC, uh, they sent out these mailers. The post office then sent them back with information about those um, people that had moved, uh, but they didn't forward the address on. So the information came back to the RNC. And wow. what the RNC did with that was create 
um, sort of these lists that they then went to challenge to say, these people don't live here anymore, and they should no longer be on the voter roll. So when they showed up to vote, they were unable to vote because they weren't on the voter rolls. Wow. So that's that's pretty much what they did to these, like I said, black and, and brown communities. And it was, you know, ridiculous because they had no idea whether they moved to uh, a place that was a completely different polling mm-hmm. precinct, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. if they just stayed in the same neighborhood. They just happened to change addresses. Mm-hmm. So it, it really has an impact, you know, when you do something like that. So that wasn't all they did though because on the day of the election they also this uh, national ballot security task force put up these signs like warning signs warning the national ballot security task force is watching right if you if you uh decide that you're going to do voter fraud or whatever um you know we're watching you Mm -hmm. so they put these signs up but they didn't put them up everywhere they only again Mm -hmm. put them up in these black and brown communities and they also had guns and armbands to sort of show their presence, right? So we're not talking voter suppression. We're talking voter intimidation. intimidation. yeah. So basically what the DNC said was, look, they, they have this army of poll workers that are out there, you know, just intimidating all these voters and it's going to suppress the vote and people are going to show up and see what see what this is and maybe the warning signs are going to say you know these people uh, aren't really for me so i'm going to leave and i'm not going to vote mm-hmm. um which is which is terrible so in 1982 with the what ended up happening long story short they created this consent decree in which the republicans agreed we're not going to do that anymore Okay, we will give up our guns. We'll give up our armbands. You know, we'll, we won't we won't show up to the to the polls anymore um, to intimidate people. And that consent decree was was signed in 1982, and everything was was fine. The problem then comes 2009. Fast forward to 2009, the consent decree gets modified in court. Basically, it was an open ended agreement that they wouldn't intimidate people at the polls Mm -hmm. until 2009 when the consent decree gets modified to say, if the DNC can no longer prove that the RNC is, you know, doing these shenanigans, this consent decree will expire. And the date of expiration was December 1st of 2017. Wow. Okay. So now let's think about this just for a quick second. Mm -hmm. 2017 is December. Trump's in office for like a year, right? Mm-hmm. He gets inaugurated in January, here it is December, and now the consent decree, it's it's over. Mm-hmm. Because what ended up happening is the DNC was unable to prove right. that the RNC yeah. was engaged in these shenanigans, so the consent decree just expires. So now we're living in a world where there's no guardrails for voter intimidation, hmm. poll watching, having poll workers or or anything you know uh, engaged in any of these poll watching activities from the republican side the 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 chains have been released right mm-hmm. they're off the leash these guys now right so wow. the first uh election that we would have under this new sort of you know anti-guardrail would be the 2018 midterms which were so important, right? Because the 2018 midterms came along. Everybody said, "Look, you know, from a Democrat perspective, we have to win the House. We have to, you mm-hmm. know, we have to win the Senate." We ended up getting, you know, the 50 seats in, in the Senate, and then we ended up taking the House, which was super important. That election didn't really have a lot of, um, you know, 
issues in terms of, you know, Republicans. Mm -hmm. We didn't really hear about any um, intimidation at the polls for that particular election. Now, let's fast forward to 2020, first presidential election Mm -hmm. that is not bound by this consent decree. And one of the things that that that's important here is one of the attorneys for um, uh, Trump campaign at the time. He basically said, look, we know that there's no more consent decree. It's time for us to go on offense. So they knew mm-hmm. that the consent decree was expiring. They knew that now they could get up to whatever shenanigans they wanted to. But what they didn't know was COVID was coming. And what happened when COVID <laughs> came, <Wow>. right? <laughs> so what happened when COVID came, okay, everybody went to mail-in ballots because it was safer. <laughs> yes. So we didn't, ha- we didn't have to go to the polls. Right. What all this is building up to is if we think about it, the first true test mm-hmm. of how we're going to go forward is this mm-hmm. election mm-hmm. in 2022. November's election, I've said it a million times before, I'll say it again. It is the vote to save democracy. Mm-hmm. This is not about Democrat versus Republican. This is about democracy versus fascism. Right. I, 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 it's, it hurts me to say that, but it's that true. is where we're at. Mm-hmm. It's where we're at. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. It's it's a crazy you know document. There's like you said, uh, I wrote a thread. There's a lot more information that's in that thread. I link to all the documents. You can read the consent decree for yourself. Um, you can read all the information, and and there's a ton more that's in there. It gets into you know who might be behind some of these things, who might be working uh, to um, create problems at the polls, and 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 some of the things that they were aware of, what they knew, what they wanted to do. It's 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 a, a long read. Uh, I'm not gonna hide you. It's it's a it's a long thread. But it's worth reading because it, it will it, it will educate. Mm-hmm. It will inform people to be aware of a couple of things. We need to make sure that we're registered to vote because they've been changing mm-hmm. the laws in the states all, all over the place. So, so even though you may have voted in the last election, we can't assume that you're eligible to vote in this one. You must register and make sure that you're registered. And if you see people trying to intimidate poll workers or if you see people trying to intimidate people who are trying to vote um those are things that are crimes you can't have intimidation you Mm -hmm. just you you know everybody has the ability to to cast their vote here um and and we have to make sure that we we keep that intact for as long as possible yes and just fyi Everybody listening, I am putting a link to Joe's thread in the description of the show on the Patreon page. So everybody should read this. Um, That's so fascinating. And it's obvious that they I think it's I mean, I laugh because COVID came. And of course, COVID is awful. But here was one place it kind of benefited us. And then on top of it, um, you know, take advantage if you can of online. I mean, I'm sorry, of uh, mail in voting. Just because you don't even it takes voter intimidation completely out of the out of the picture. So that's something everybody should be doing anyway, if you can. If if your state offers it, absolutely. It's 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 the thing to do. It really is. Because and then, you know, the thing is, you don't have to wait in line. That day you have to take a day off of work. You know, you could do it at your leisure. Yes, exactly. And then there's also those ballot boxes, which is funny because this past election, I did not realize that um, I had to ask for early voting right so you know here i am a week before the election or whatever it is and i was like oh i did you know i forgot i didn't know that i had to request about so first of all keep that in mind wherever you live 
in advance, you know, before the election, what, you know, this was the primary. So prior to the primary, it didn't even occur to me to, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I didn't have that information. Maybe I saw it and I forgot, but I just had the automatic assumption that it was going to be sent to my home. And then it wasn't. I did get the, the, the stupid thing was, I got the sample ballot and I put it in a place so I wouldn't forget it. And then I forgot about it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I was like, they didn't send me a sample ballot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so, I have, okay. things, I have things stuck to my refrigerator <laughs> and I say, where is it? <laughs> I so I wound up having, you know, I basically did it all from scratch online, but you know, regardless, you know, get yourself a plan. And that's so important because, you know, I'm a walking example of I just completely forgot. And then I didn't even, you know, forgot where I put my sample ballot that I, I didn't even remember I got one. Mm. And then on top of it, I didn't realize that I had to request this mail-in ballot. So moving forward, I know I want to request a mail-in ballot. And what I'm going to do is just drop it off the Dropbox because it's really close to me and it's really easy and there's no one around. There's cameras there. Maybe one or two people will be there, but it's not anything crazy. So, God, that's just so fascinating that that happened. It's not surprising. Yeah. Um, it's not. Yeah. And, and you know what's interesting, too, is there's an today in Arizona and a few other states, they're having their, their elections uh, yeah. days today. Um, so I, I'm actually interested to see mm -hmm. who, if anybody, is maybe sitting around the ballot box or those boxes, yeah. those drop-off boxes. Because right. You know, to be fair, that should just be treated as a polling place and right. all the same, you know, um, rules should apply around, mm -hmm. around one of these boxes. But anybody could just, you know, get a lawn chair and sit out. Mm -hmm. Who knows what they're doing? If they have, you know, open carry in your state and they right. have these boxes, are you going to try to vote? And there's an AR-15 exactly. right there. You know, it's, it is it is to intimidate. It is scary. So today's yeah. going to be an interesting thing to see how it works out yeah. um, and, and see where we go from there. Are you are you um, familiar with the, the, the 2000 mules? No. Okay, so Dinesh D'Souza made a movie. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Two thousand meals. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, you said you said those uh, those those drop off boxes, and that's what made me think of it because the 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 whole movie essentially is premised around cameras fixed on drop boxes, and you know these supposed quote unquote mules, you mm -hmm. know vote mules, who are you know somehow you know gathering you know millions of votes from wherever and just kind of throwing them into the to the ballot box. <laughs> um, but anyways, it was debunked. Okay. But I I, I also want to say very quickly one thing about the people who also helped to make that movie it's a guy named greg phillips and he works for a group called true the vote or works with a group called true the vote now this is something that at the more recent rallies that trump has had he's starting to bring up this true the vote true the vote hmm. the consent decree uh thread that we just went through is actually one of you ready for this seven threads that wow. i've written about election integrity in general hmm. so there's um hmm. one of those has to do with true the vote and it gets all into the detail about the group sort of behind that 2000 mules movie so if anyone's interested uh that thread is there uh as well wow cool well that's really good information to have and of course i'm grateful that you're doing all this because people like you make it easier for people like me to know what they're doing <laughs> so, <laughs> and people like my listeners so uh, thank you for doing that thread. Now, I also want to talk a little bit about, let me see here. I'm looking at, at my notes, and there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I have prepared to talk to you about, and they all kind of go together. But I'm going to start, and I hate this. I'm going to start with David Hawk. 
and like this 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 person he's not a kid anymore people keep referring to him as a kid and he's not a kid um this person went through this adult went through something absolutely heinous he went through a school shooting his friend died his friends died and he's disgusted i i believe you know i see certain things written about him that his parents are conservative and because of that you know he can't be trusted and i think that's malarkey I think David is coming from a genuine place and he's very angry and he has good reason to be angry. And one of the things that he he is bringing up, and it's true, is that Democrats have not focused on local races the way that the Republicans have. And it's not just the Republican Party. It's, you know, like the Koch brothers. It's people with money have been um, making sure that Republicans are getting in you know, whether it's like state Senate, House representative, or just things like, uh, you know, school boards and, you know, comptroller and on all these different roles that are very local. And as we know, you know, I mean, if, if right now in Texas, if the legislature, the state legislature were democratic, and I don't believe that there are that many seats, that there are that many seats away from it. Um, you know, if that state legislature said that you could have an abortion, well, then it would be states' rights and abortion would be legal in Texas. So, you know, granted, we've got things to deal with, with suppression, gerrymandering and all this stuff. But on the other hand, yeah, the Democrats have absolutely, I think, in my opinion, failed uh, over Mm -hmm. the last, I'd say, two decades to get this done because Republicans have been laser focused. And it's important. Like, I, I don't think David should not say that because we're close to an election. I think what he's doing, though, is, you know, he's so angry at the Democrats for not doing that. And he's lashing out and attacking. And to me, I feel like while he is absolutely justified in his anger, um, I think there's a more productive way to make the exact same statement, but to rile up and to get you know, young voters going, yeah, we need to do this because it's not just about leadership. It's about voters. You know, yes, leadership has a part to play in it, but voters have to show up. A lot of times, you know, the Democrat doesn't even run in some places. They don't have the backing from the party. So yeah, there's a certain amount of party responsibility, but there's also voter responsibility. And these young people, I think right now that David is kind of convincing not to trust Democrats. I mean, those people, first of all, they don't have a very good rec- record of voting in the first place. And he's missing an opportunity to get them excited to make the change. He's just yeah. turning them against the party. And yeah. so th- that's my take on it. And, and it makes me feel bad because I, I sincerely, I love David Hogg in that he is so passionate about what he's doing. He's had to go through something so incredibly hellish that nobody's had to go, you know, that most people haven't had to go through. And it's just his strategy, and it's, it's very damaging. What is your take on it? You know, I, I, I agree with you in the sense, like, this, this is a guy who, you know, he's, he's now, he's Harvard educated, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and I, and I think he's, what, 22, mm-hmm. something, something mm-hmm. along there? Yeah. I think what's interesting is you said it immediately, right off the bat, completely 100% right. He's somebody who's gone through an extraordinary trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, an unimaginable trauma. Mm-hmm. And he's thrust into this spotlight. He's got, you know, who knows what, what kind of, I mean, I could not even imagine I what the mourning process would be like. 
um, you know, how you grieve for your friends, how mm-hmm. you try to go back to a school that, you know, you know, smells like blood. Right. right? I mean, yeah. I just I, I can't imagine. I think that he's because he's been put in that spotlight and because he's been so political and so active and he has such a platform and he has such a voice and he is so influential at such a young age, he's finding out early. Mm-hmm. I say that in the sense that I'm Gen X. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here I am, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 50 and it took what happened in 2016 for me to come to the realization of, Hey, what is going on here, right? <laughs> like you get to that situation where you do understand from a political perspective that the Republicans have been unified mm-hmm. and laser focused on these races because they determined and they said, you know what? The only way we're going to get to the top is if we start at the bottom. Right. So that means every dog catcher race, every, you know, comptroller, like you said, mm-hmm. every school board, all that stuff, if we make all of it Republican, then it's just a Republican stream all the way to mm-hmm. the top. Right. And if we can get to the top and we have the infrastructure built below, that foundation is so strong, we will never be able to mm-hmm. uh, worry about relinquishing it again. Like you said, the Democrats have taken their eye off of that ball. They are mm-hmm. more on, we have to fix the last Republicans administration. Right. Problem. Yes. It's always that. Right. So 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 they're cleaning up after whatever Republican Party had, uh, you know, control before. Right. So you've got Afghanistan after mm-hmm. uh, Bush. Right. So the Obama had to go in and, you know, think about how am I going to continue this war? Do I need to? All these other things. That's not focusing on local elections. Right. That's trying to make sure that you have a, a functional government for the entire you know, country. Yeah. Same thing here. After Trump. I mean, he was a yeah. China, he was a bull in every China shop. Yeah. Right. I mean, he broke everything. And it wasn't like, like he, I kind of feel like you, you mentioned the Koch brothers earlier. There is a group of funders. There are, are, yeah. are people who are funding the complete takeover of these lower level state houses, state senates and all those other things. Mm-hmm. CNN even did a, 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 an article or a, a, an hour show on it uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was how all these funders are trying to get people into offices and, and then do their bidding for mm-hmm. them. So they're saying things like, you know, in a little rural area where nobody has name recognition because the people are so far spread out. If I can put somebody's name on a banner and put it everywhere, then when I get to the polls, I'm going to recognize right. that name and yes. I'm going to vote for them. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you if they're Republican. They don't tell you if you're yeah. Democrat. But the Democrats don't do that. Yeah. They try to help the people through the policy. Right. And that's what I think, you know, he does have an opportunity to, to, to do that. Now, again, I said I'm Jet X. And the reason I say that is because we're in the middle. Here we are in our 40s right now <laughs> looking to the, you know, generations before us. And we were told as voters, you know, it's or, or, or from the news perspective that, the boomers were the ones who were going to make the decisions. It's the older people who vote. Mm-hmm. It's the older people who are the ones who go out and they make a difference. Well, yeah, but they're not going to be the ones left to hold you know, left the bag. The right. Yeah. All said and done. It was, but it was us, but we mm-hmm. were in our twenties and we weren't paying attention to that because it was awesome. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was the nineties and it was awesome. Um, so we weren't thinking about any of that stuff. And we also didn't have that trauma. I mean, Columbine mm-hmm. happened in, what, 99? So, right. I mean, we, we went through the 90s without 
a massive, you know, televised, you know, event like that. Yeah. And here's a guy, here's a guy now who lived through it and, and saw and saw the damage inflicted and did something about it. Now, the problem is he didn't get done what he needed to get done because the vehicles through which it needs to get done don't care. Mm-hmm. It serves them. Yeah. It serves them. This violence, the gun violence serves the Republicans because what they're able to do then is to say, well, you know, it's it's a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, okay, maybe. Maybe that's part of it. But, you know, if, if they didn't have access to guns, maybe they'd be stabbing less people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's funny that you bring up the Gen X thing. I mean, I'm Gen X. I'm I just turned 54, so I'm an older Gen X. But yeah, I mean, it cracks me up because Kristen Johnston, the actress, had tweeted, um, "So I guess we peaked in the 90s." <laughs> it's like, kind of, yeah, I think so. I mean, t- t- uh, 2001. You know, we saw the Twin Towers come down, and then yeah. after that, it was just one thing after another. Which you know, I just want to throw this out there, though. I've talked about it on this show before but there is a book it's called wrapped in the flag i think it's claire connor york or claire connor i highly recommend this read it's so good it's this woman claire was raised by a man who was one of the original founders of the um oh god the john birch society another another original founder was fred coke father coke so she was the daughter of this guy who you know came up she came up in a john birch family she saw it right in front of her face she wrote this in 2012 and she was trying to warn everybody um and i read it and it's utterly fascinating and basically it 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 totally just illustrates how that group the john birch society of the like 1950s whenever it started is actually um it's really the tea party it, I, there's a few like I know the the John Birch Society was all freaked out about fluoride and water. They've pretty much given up that issue. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple issues that they've let go, but ultimately it's the exact same ideals. And as we all know, Sarah Palin kind of just represented the face of the Tea Party back in 2012, or no, I'm sorry, uh, 2008. That's when. You know, we were introduced to Sarah Palin, and then and then in 2010, you know, we saw the Tea Party winning all these seats, and yeah. and one thing leads to another. John Birch leads to moral majority, moral majority leads to the Tea Party, leads to Donald Trump, leads to right now, leads to the insurrection, and mm-hmm. it also is what you're talking about, and what I was talking about is this Republican stronghold in the lower, you know, uh, whether it lower legislatures or whatever. So, yeah, and I mean, that's important. It's, it's completely important. And I don't want to read the David Hogg tea leaves. But if you think about it, he said in one of his tweets, I think that was going around about how the Democrats need to do what the Republicans did in the 50s. Yeah. To read those tea leaves, it's exactly what you're saying. I yeah. think he's referencing the John Birch Society. Yeah. I think he's referencing the beginning of what would become, like you said, the moral majority, mm-hmm. which would then become what mtg was just talking about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that has to do with the christian nation right christian nationalism so all along that path okay all along you know from john birch society to the council for national policy and for all the you know people uh who are involved in the like i said the sort of funding of what's happening a couple of couple of um bits of uh i guess advice if you will for lack of a, a failing word here 
Look at uh, Senator Whitehouse from Rhode Island. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse has been on this from like for years. Mm -hmm. And what his his rap is about how the funding created the Supreme Court as it's Mm -hmm. completely as it's currently modeled. Mm -hmm. And he gets into, you know, the funding and who all those people are. He does bring it back all the way uh, to, to, to the John Birch Society. And and that's there is a, there is a through line from the fifties to now. Yes. And and the thing that's most dangerous in that again, people need to understand, this is their shot. Mm-hmm. It's this or never, right? Because this isn't something that's going to happen, you know, organically uh, throughout the years. This is something that has right. been planned. Yeah. It has been executed. And right now, the twenty twenty two midterms are their moment. Yeah. If they win. That means that the January 6th committee hearings, mm-hmm. which we have learned so much about, that January 6th committee is gone. Mm-hmm. It's over. Mm-hmm. They're not going to investigate. What they're going to do is turn it into a kangaroo court yeah. and start investigating Hunter Biden. Right. If he, God help him, if he ever went to a cop USA. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just going to be utterly tragic. So I honestly believe that if we do not turn out for these midterms, then this is the penultimate election. There won't be elections after this. 2024 will be the last election. He will be in place. He will pardon anybody who was Mm -hmm. a a, a criminal during the January 6th uh, insurrection. Uh, and 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 we're going to be in a fascist dictatorship. Look at Florida. I mean, it's 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 starting now. Mm-hmm. DeSantis is 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 basically installing himself as a dictator now. To uh, Abbott in uh, yes. Texas, yeah. same thing. So I mean, we have models that we can look to right, right now and 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 say, hey, I don't know if I want to live in a society like that. And and if you don't, then you've got to go out and vote. You absolutely do. And um, you know, we have to take a quick break, and we're going to be back after this message. Hey everyone, it's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. Okay, we are back. I want to talk a little bit about... I don't know who his name was. Last night I was watching, uh, well, at the beginning, there was the special with Steve Kornacki and in, it's when Lawrence's show is usually on. So there was a pundit on there. I don't know what his name is. He was a little bit of an older guy. Um, he could have been my age. I don't know. But, you know, I'm older. So uh, <laughs> he was basically saying, uh, everybody freak out because the Republicans are going to win. Now, I was, and I told my boyfriend, I'm like, turn it off, turn it off, I don't fucking want to hear it. And yeah. the thing is, is it's not that I'm trying to remain ignorant. Um, first of all, I interviewed Simon Rosenberg, who is a uh, political analyst, a Dem strategist, mm-hmm. and he has an optimistic message with data to back it up. Um, I prefer to kind of live in that world right now because, hey, look, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I can't yeah. control it. I would rather spend my time being optimistic, even if I'm afraid, than assuming the worst. Um, yes. And I, you know, I talk about that a lot. But I also feel like, you know, on the night of November 6, 2018, 
James Carville, basically came on early in, you know, it was early in the evening before all of the uh, votes were in and predicted that Republicans were going to win. And he was wrong. Now, James Carville, I do not want to take away from his intelligence, his understanding of the process, but this is pre anything, anybody who was a pundit pre-Trump and has not refreshed their, you know, uh, take on things, I don't really want to hear from them because they are old school. Now, we're hearing a lot of complaints about older politicians and how we need new blood. It's not that we need new blood. We need a refresh. We have we have changed. The country has changed. The way we yes. do politics has changed. It's evolved. It's devolved. And so, you know, you take a look at whether you like him or not. Um, Bernie Sanders is an old guy, but he has refreshed. Elizabeth Warren is an old woman. She, she's in her 70s, but she has a fresh take on what's happening based on, uh, you know, reality, on, on the evolution, yeah. the devolution of what has happened in the party. And so it's not so much about age. It's, li- it's literally old school ideology that does not fit with what's happening anymore. So I'm not saying absolutely Democrats are going to win. I want them to win. And right now, when you follow Simon Rosenberg on Twitter, you're going to see reasons why that's possible. You're going to see more Democratic people, or I should say there's more people that have registered Democratic. Um, You know, he's one of his latest threads was a a poll about Hispanics and how they're going. And it's all leaning towards the Democratic Party. And it's made, I I think, a huge big reason is because of the Roe decision. It's, you know, you, you compound that with other things that are happening, whether it's guns, um, you know, but there was there was a point I don't want to get too far off, but I think it was Joy Reid was talking about initially last year, I think, yeah, 2021, it was the trajectory was the Republicans were going to win because they were convincing everybody, uh, convincing parents to be concerned about education and, you know, this bullshit CRT thing that was not being taught in schools, yeah. but they were, you know, being led to believe that. So then when they when they killed Roe, all the focus went on to that. And I predicted, not that it would be very difficult, but I predicted that would happen. I think a lot of people could have made that prediction. And and so now, like I said, you've got the Roe decision, you've got the Uvalde murders, you've got a combination of whether it's climate, the votes on the, uh, the gun bill, all the stuff. And then add to it, if Schumer and Manchin are successful with this green bill, you've got a real solid chance at the democrats not only keeping uh i mean they can keep the house i know gerrymandering i know i know i know but i think that there's a chance we can keep the house and i know we can expand the senate so i'm i'm wondering you know how how are you feeling about this a criticism of of people who are i mean and you know i'm gonna add nancy pelosi who i think is fucking amazing and she's an older woman and she is insanely good at what she does but i mean you know what do you take on these um forecasts that the republicans are going to win and i want your honest opinion i don't just because yeah. i have this take i don't want you to say what you know you think i want to hear and yeah. um you know and, and just the oh, the idea of of ageism and what we're seeing and, and what i just said yeah i think um i think you're right i think um for me, one of the things that, that that's interesting, and I think the reason why they're off this month, the January 6th committee is also tasked with making recommendations. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows what those recommendations are going to be, right? I mean, there's so many things that they can look to, given what we know. 
one of those things though has to deal with the propaganda i think and one thing that i cringe at every time it's on television no matter who says it whether it be rachel maddow whether it be sean hannity it doesn't matter to me if you tell me that the republicans are set to win the house or they're poised to win the house or they're getting ready to win the house or they're ready to do it um that's voter suppression so if you're telling millions of viewers that the Republicans are going to win the mm-hmm. House. If I'm a Democratic voter, I might say, "Well, what's the point? Why right. bother?" Yeah, you know, I'm, if they're if you're telling me they're going to win, then why would I bother showing up? My yeah. vote's not going to count. That's why I think it's complete voter suppression. And it's garbage, and it needs to be called out and it needs to be stopped because they have major platforms speaking to millions of people, mm-hmm. telling them, you know, something that really, like you said, if it's not backed up by the data, then what's the point? Right. You know, um, I, I do think that. The hearings are going to help in the sense that it's exposing so much, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we are starting to see, and I think, you know, we haven't even gotten to the part where the members of Congress were involved, mm-hmm. uh, what what the consequences for them need to be, whether they get 14th Amendment out, um, you know, whether they're arrested. I mean, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. They could resign. Um, there's there's a lot of different things that are in play. Uh, and I think that that goes into the Senate, too. I mean, Ted Cruz was a part of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mike Lee was being called. Tommy Tuberville was, was on the, you know, was, was on speed dial. So I, I think that, you know, um, we we for we first shouldn't listen to any polls because they're completely wrong. <laughs> and who knows what the sample sizes are? Mm-hmm. Who knows what the poll, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. who the polling audience is? Um, you know, we just kind of hear, oh, Rasmussen came out with a poll or Quinnipiac came out with a poll. Fantastic. They give us numbers. It's a guide. Don't listen to them because they were wrong before. They told mm-hmm. us Hillary was going to win yeah. and no one, you know, and, and she was just going to slide into the office. Um, didn't happen. And I think we should learn from that. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to be our own optimists. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we have to find and search out those that are going to be with us and everything else is distraction. I think they're trying to distract us. They want to divide us. They want to disrupt us. They want to make it as difficult as possible on us to do anything that we can to make it. Because like I said, this is their shot and they are not throwing away their shot. No, they aren't. No, you know, and I'd like to just kind of take this opportunity to let everyone know, I have a patrons-only show, right? It's five bucks a month, so you get these sh- shows, these free shows, and then you also get access to my patrons-only, which is kind of like an online diary. Sometimes I rant about politics. Sometimes I talk about just the journey that I'm on, uh, you know, personal journeys and things like that. So one of the things that I just talked about today and what I've been talking about recently it's optimism now, not in a political sense, but I just want to throw this out there so that people listening can understand what I'm saying. Because I, I, I get that, you know, we're afraid, we, we have PTSD, um, stress, all that stuff. Plus, we're hearing, like you said, Rachel Maddow or people we trust and admire saying the Republicans are going to win and then we're like freaking out and feeling like we're going to lose the country. So my experience recently is I had a problem with my car and it's going to be incredibly expensive. And it, it's very upsetting to me because I don't know if I have to get a new car and, you know, I, there's just all this stuff that's freaking me out. And so last week while I was going through it, last week was the hard week and on my patrons only shows, I cried and I cried both fucking times when I did the shows because I was just letting everybody know how I felt and I was so afraid. I was so afraid. But then after I had my emotional response to my unfortunate situation, I had to pull myself together and figure out a solution. 
And so I did that and I came up with a solution. Now, I was fortunate that I happened to come up with it quickly. Um, it's not like everything is solved and I don't, ha it's not solved. I have just come up with a solution that now that means I have a, a lot to do in my own life. I have a lot to do and I have to get busy doing it in order to get the solution over with, you know, and have that solution. Now, while I'm going through this process, it's stressful. It's upsetting and it's stressful. And I have a ch I have a choice. I can say I'm doomed and I'm never going to succeed and it's going to be horrible and my car's going to break down and everything sucks. Or I can say, all right, I I can I can do A, B, C and D and then when I've when I've got those things completed, I've I've got a solution now that I'm working with and everything's going to be fine. And so, you know, it's it's not just positive thinking. Everything's going to be fine. The 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 midterms are going to be fine. No. That's wishful thinking. Yeah. It's up and, and positive thinking, you know, I mean it was it was I, I heard somebody in a documentary talking about the difference between positive thinking and optimistic thinking and it's like, you know, and I've used this before on my patrons only show, but it was like if your animal passes away, you you shouldn't be trying to make yourself feel positive. You should grieve. You yeah. should have the, but that doesn't mean you should, you know, give up. You can yeah. still be an optimistic person while grieving. You can still be an optimistic person while freaking out and not knowing how you're going to get a solution. It's, it's the winning attitude. And, I, you know, Alison Gill has talked about it on the show. I talk about it all the time. And it's so important because it's very easy to feel like the weight of the world is on us and just put the covers over our head and say, I can't do it. And, and then where does that get you? Yeah. You lose. You so, lose. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing about this particular issue with the voting is it's actually something we can control. So yes. to have the optimism with control. Control, yeah. To, to be able to say to yourself, you know what? They may say that, but it's really up to me. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who makes that decision. Mm -hmm. Because if I go to the, if I go to the uh, polling place and vote, that's one more vote that they wouldn't have had if I had just thrown up my hands, like you said, and gave yeah, up. Right. Now, who knows? That vote That vote may be, you know, one uh, blue speck in a sea of red. Mm -hmm. But it still matters because you did it and it canceled out at least one vote. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. matters. And if yeah. you continue to do that and you continue to talk to other people and you start to tell them what the issues are and you start to understand exactly what's happening, you're we're looking at a two-party system in which one party does not want to govern. Mm -hmm. They want to rule. Mm -hmm. So if we the people decide, you know what, I don't want to be ruled. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm okay being governed, right. but I don't want to be ruled. That's oppression. Mm -hmm. I'm not into that. The optimism should be, I control it. I have a voice and I can go and vote and make sure that it happens. Yeah. And so many elections are won on slim margins. And yeah. so it really does come down to, I think, uh, I think it was Arizona came down to 9,000 votes. Now, I mean, that sounds like a big number, but when you think about it, 9,000 votes, every vote counted for yeah. Biden to win that. And yeah. yeah. And like, I remember hearing, I believe it was maybe uh, either the, it was either the, midterms the 2018 midterms or prior to the 2020 election but texans were saying you know democratic texans liberal texans were saying look you know we just always were under the impression that there was no point so we yeah. didn't even bother yeah. and you know i mean now again this is where the voter responsibility and the party 
the the party responsibility comes into play because it is the responsibility of the party to make voters in red states feel like they can have a voice. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. yeah, it might be really hard if you're living in Kansas or if you're living in Arizona or wherever it is. But I think we have seen now that, you know, whether it's Florida or Arizona or Georgia, states that used to be so red now, I mean, with Obama, Florida went blue. And right. with Biden, Arizona went blue. So there are tons of liberals living in yeah. these states. Sometimes gerrymandering, yes, it does keep uh, d- Democrats from winning. But sometimes it's real. It's like if we don't show up, then it's all just a given that it'll be a red state. Showing up makes a difference. Showing up tells the tells the other party, no matter what party you're in, hey, we're here, and we're going to grow. And yeah. so I, I mean, that's so incredibly important. And I, I, I wish that more people understood that. Um, but I do think I, I have cautious optimism going into this election. And as yeah. you said, it is like it is the election. It's the one that is going to decide whether or not. I mean, it, you know, I mean, if Republicans, w- I don't think they're going to take the Senate. It's not gerrymandered. I don't think they're going to do it. The fear is the House. And the idea here is if it is in the House, we're just going to muck everything up. We're not going to pass voting rights. And we're pretty much not going to pass anything because the Republicans won't allow it. It'll just be the reverse situation where the House, the House Democrats have passed an unbelievable amount of legislation, but then it goes and dies in in the Senate. So um, I just, I want to really emphasize and whatever you have to say about this, if the, you know, I mean, right now we're hearing a lot of chatter about Biden not being the nominee for whatever reason. People think he should step down. People think he's too old. For for whatever reason, he's not getting credit for the stuff that he has done. Um, I'm just going to go on the assumption that Joe Biden is running in 2024. Unless, you know, I mean, unless something horrible happens or unless he just says, hey, folks, I'm going to, you know, pass the torch. But from what I heard, he's already said, I intend on running in 2024. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there might be certain Democrats because, you know, he was definitely the person for 2020. He was the right. guy. And right. the funny thing is, is up until that pretty much the primaries, people were like, it's not going to be Biden. Yeah. And then it was fucking only Biden. It could only right. be Biden. And, right. you know, so we have we have all this time right now where I hear Biden's doing a shitty job, even though he's not. But we're hearing it. The, the rumors are out there that he's not doing a good job. He's, he's not, you know, his numbers aren't favorable. So, you know, I would laugh if once again he pulls it out of his ass at the last minute. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I would love that. But the idea here is if if Republicans can get the House, right, and, and say Democrats expand the Senate, but Republicans win the House, then there's not really going to be any movement. We're not going to see a voting rights bill. And the Republicans can put in electors who will just call the election for the Republicans, period, on then it's over. We're, we're yeah. done. But yeah. if we are able to... If we show up in numbers too big to ignore and we can get, we can keep the majority in the House, get that majority in the Senate. Oh, my God. Now, I don't care who we put up as a Democrat, whether it's Joe Biden or or anybody, the chances of winning are so much higher just because now it's a more fair election. It takes out the gerrymandering. I mean, is that what you're thinking is going to happen? Yeah. Under those circumstances. I'll I'll say I'll say a couple of things. I think um, I think if whether or not Biden is the nominee in 2024 is irrelevant to the 2022 midterms. Right. For me. 
I don't, I don't even care. I look at that again as distraction. Again, Gen X. I'm in my <laughs> X-wing fighter, and I'm going through the Death Star, and there are people shooting lasers and all kinds of stuff. The Tie Fighters are behind me. Darth Vader's coming, and I have to hit a hole that's two like two meters wide to yeah. get to you know. <laughs> But only if I focus, right? We have to find our inner Jedi. We have yeah. to find it and we have to make sure that we are laser focused on saving the democracy first. Mm -hmm. And that only happens if we expand in the Senate and win the House. Mm -hmm. That's the only, that's, that's all, that's, that, that's it. Nothing else happens. There is no uh, next movie. <laughs> there right. is no nothing. We have to get the Death Star out of there. Wow. Oh my God. We're up against so much. What do you. Um... What are you feeling uh, right now? As, as I explained, I have cautious, cautious optimism, and it, it, it is data-backed. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah. I, again, I'm, I keep pointing to Simon Rosenberg, but I, I had him on my show last week, and, you know, his feed gives me hope. It makes me feel yeah. optimistic. What, what is your take on what's going to happen? In November. My, op my optimism is in, is in the faith of, of, of people finding out and doing the right thing. Right. I, I mean, we're, we're Americans, right? I mean, that's that's kind of our thing, right? We fought fascism. Yeah. We, we fought it. We fought it before and we won. The fact that it's here again is a failure, but it's here and we have to do something about it. And when, you know, when, 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 when Pearl Harbor went down, people said, I'm standing up. Yeah. Well, we've had another attack on our nation. Yes. And it's time for us to stand up to save it again. And it's happening now. This is not a coup that's over. It's a coup that is happening right now. Yeah. You've got Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if he becomes the governor, he gets to name the secretary of state, just mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. So if the secretary of state in Pennsylvania decides who, you know, is going to is going to be the next president. Well, that's not right. That's not the people deciding. Right. And totally. it's not the people deciding through Doug Mastriano either, to mm -hmm. be fair, because right. Doug Mastriano has, you know, that guy should never like he shouldn't be close, close to power. No, nowhere near it. Yeah. I mean, there, there is everything is on the fucking line right now. I just want to read uh, a tweet from Rachel Bettecoffer. She says the Republican Party has paid virtually no price for collapsing into an extremist cult. That's about to change. And I'm really hoping that she's right because we have all sat here, you know, in our homes watching the Republican Party doing what it's doing, our mouths agape. Uh, we can't believe it. Mm. Yet it's actually happening. And I, you know, I'm hoping that she's correct about this. And it does seem, you know, that's another thing Simon Rosenberg said that the, the GOP really made, uh, they, they, what, what word did he use? I'm trying to think of what he used, but basically just that they figured wrong that they, yeah. you know, again, they were, they were thinking, Oh, we're just going to tell everybody that, you know, white kids feel bad about themselves because they're learning CRT, which is a bunch of fucking bullshit, but it's playing into, you know, concerned parents. It's yeah. funny how they, how I, I find it absolutely fascinating, you know, just watching, it was something on MSNBC last night. That thing uh, that I think it was joy Reid, like I was saying, but, that they didn't care about the education before. It, education oh. was not their priority, I should say, before. Uh, before whatever it was, you know, was their priority. Specifically, the, you know, white mom demographic that usually votes for conservatives. They had, yeah. you know, and, and then, and so they're all freaked out now because their white kids are going to, they think their white kids are going to feel guilty um, because people own slaves or whatever it is. Um, but then the Supreme Court kills Roe 
And all of a sudden, all these Republican women who, you know, want the ability to get an abortion if they're faced with an unwanted pregnancy or like an ectopic pregnancy or something that's endangering their lives, these mm. women want birth control to prevent another kid. Um, that's on the line. And, you know, and the gay marriage thing, while I'm sure the majority of the white Karens out there who vote conservative are not really that concerned about gay marriage, there's a huge percentage of, percentage of those Karens who are related to and or love a gay person who's married. And they don't yeah. want to see that gay person lose what they have because it's like, yeah. you know, the, we know the conservative mindset is usually, you know, you, you, yeah, you have love in you for the people that you love. And then the rest of uh, the rest of the world can go fuck off. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it, again, you just reminded me about, you know, this thing about elected officials getting permission to vote their conscience mm -hmm. on certain yeah, issues. Right. That to me is ridiculous. Like, that's why you're here. You're not mm -hmm. here to just vote along party lines. You're supposed to vote what's right for your rep for the people yeah. you represent. Yeah. And if the people you represent want something so badly, like let's say gun control, mm -hmm. right? David Hogg, he's out there. He got seventy percent of the people to want gun control. Yeah. But we don't have it. Right. It's because the people elected are not voting their conscience. Mm -hmm. They're voting their party. Yeah. And the problem with that is again goes back to the donations. Who's funding them to do it? Who's telling them? Listen. I will contribute X number of dollars to your campaign or to your whatever fund or whatever pack you have so that you'll get reelected and you won't have to dial for dollars because, you know, you could just sit there and, and, and be a congressman or you can be a senator. Mm -hmm. But you have to vote our way. This thing I, I mentioned earlier about CNN having this special, uh, they talked about this like scorecard that they had where, you know, in Texas, they would say, you know, these are the funders and the funders put together the scorecard on which represented voted with them along ideological right, yeah. lines and you know who's at 98 percent who's at 97 percent you know and the votes that they probably voted against and didn't matter anyways you know but it's 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 giving tax breaks to mm -hmm, the rich it's mm -hmm. you know it's all the things right it's just all the things the problem is the democrats messaging right we've said it for a hundred years their messaging isn't the same because their focus isn't the same their mm -hmm. focus is on policy mm -hmm. not politics at the local level the propaganda machine is out there telling us things, even even something like what you said about, you know, Rachel's uh, tweet, those type of things, you know, to say that, you know, things are about to change or that's about to change. I, I don't that works in a similar way to, you know, hey, the Republicans are just going to win because it gives people the ability to have the excuse to to stay on the couch. Well, if things are going to change, then I don't have to worry about it. Hmm. No. Interesting. If things are going to change, it's going to be because everybody makes it change. Mm -hmm. It is up to the individual. Yes, it is. If you, it, you have to, you have to take that duty and responsibility of your citizenship and, and say, I, I have to be the change. I have to be the one to make Rachel's uh, tweet. Correct. Right. Yes. You know, that's so true. Oh, my God, that's such a great uh, way to say it. And it is. It's, you know, I mean, if all of us took that responsibility, if all of us said, OK, you know, I always say, like, vote like your vote is going to be the deciding vote. And in some cases, it could be. Um, so we all just have to take that on. We have to take, you know, as, as the Republicans liked to say, but not necessarily do, or, or, you know, they like to talk about personal responsibility. Well, oh, yeah. yeah, personal responsibility is all about, you know, doing what you need to do and turn off 
these people who keep insisting that both parties are the same turn off that you know i think allison gill did this tweet and she said you know if you see a sickle emoji block you know block people yeah. who are using words like duopoly duopoly and yeah. shit libs and all of that and it's true because yeah. you know it, it, it they are not helping anything it's one thing, hey, we'd all love the ideal version of America, right? Where you have right. Medicare for all and there's no corruption in politics and all that stuff. But we have to look at where we are in this moment. We're not going to leap from today, you know, Tuesday, August 2nd um, to tomorrow, August 3rd, where boom, everything's great. Yeah. It's steps. It's incremental. Yeah. There's millions and millions and millions of people living in this country. And we yeah. all have, you know, there, there's diversity in not just our physical appearance and our backgrounds, but in our ideology. And because of that, it means it's going to take some time for certain kinds of legislation to pass. Now, granted, yeah. it shouldn't take time for legislation to pass that's got 70% you know, backing from the public. But we're in this situation that we have to fix, and, and that's what this election is about, really. Um, and then, yeah. and then I, you know, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to drop it for today, but I say it all the time. You know, it's not just about your one vote. I mean, we've heard people going, but I voted. Well, that's great. Vote again. That's the whole point. Right. We have, right. Vote, we have elections right. every year, and when yeah. you don't get your way, I mean, I didn't get my way in 2014. I was so disappointed. I... I, I lived in a bubble in my head and I chose to believe that the Democrats were going to win. Now, I'm not saying I wasted my time. It's better to have an optimistic outlook because what's the point of having a pessimistic outlook? You know, that, that you're just going to stay a pessimist. But I mean, right. I was very disappointed in 2020 in 2014 thinking, oh, I thought we were going to win. So I didn't go, all right, well, that's it. I'm done voting then. I showed up right. again. You just keep showing up. That's the whole yeah. fucking point. And all these Democrats, all these progressives, which I am a progressive, but I do not identify with the far leftist attitude of screaming at the Democrats, you know, at the fucking 11th hour and acting like, you know, you guys, it's all your fault for what the Republicans are doing. Um, but ulti ultimately what I'm trying to say here is that there is a, a very important how could I say this? I'm searching for the words. It's extremely important for us now to understand that we're never, in this election, we're not going to get the purity. We're just not. We're going to get, we're going to be really fortunate if we can pull this shit off and we can take, you know, expand um, the Senate and at least keep, and maybe we can afford to lose like one or two. I don't know the numbers exactly. But if we can expand the Senate and keep the House, we can Oh, my God. There is so much that can be done, but it's yeah. not going to all be done overnight. We're not going to get Medicare for all by 2024. We're not going to get everything we want with gun bills. By it's not going to happen that way. But we are absolutely going to go a lot farther and we're going to be able to strengthen democracy with these voting bills. So yeah. I'm just I'm going to end on that. Note, and I'll let you. Yeah. That that's is it. the task. That's that's our chore right now. It's yeah. not about the person. It's not, it's it's literally about saving the ability to have yet another vote. Yes. I mean, really, if if we don't vote to save it now, twenty twenty four, forget it. Forget it. Just forget it. Mm -hmm. Really, that that that's where my pessimism will come in if we lose in, mm -hmm. in twenty two. But I do have the optimism because I think you know voices like yours, shows like yours, 
uh, reaching the people um, who need to get the information. It's really about informing the mm-hmm. electorate. Mm-hmm. An educated populace <laughs> is difficult to control. Mm-hmm. Because you have awareness, you understand certain things. And and when you when you see just like, you know, back to David Hogg, when you see it, it makes you angry. Yeah. And at, and at 22, when I was angry, I didn't really have a good way of controlling it until, I, you know, <laughs> I'm 47. Yeah. So now I have that extra experience. You know, you start to deal with things. You have better coping skills, mm-hmm. all those things in life, you know, that 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 makes you who you are at the age when you actually sort of realize, hey, everything's kind of messed up and we need to fix it. But when you're 22 and you have Twitter, I didn't have Twitter. When you have Twitter, you know, you can go out and you can make these these things and it's only a few characters and it's coming through angry fingers. And and the sentiment is is 100 percent right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, again, in the messaging and and, and everything else, and and, and it's frustration maybe more than anger. But again, that frustration we need to harness into yes. the fuel that gets us propelled forward. Mm-hmm. If we think about it, for you know, like you said, you're a progressive. The Republican Party and Mitch McConnell in particular is the handbrake to progress of this country. Yeah. They do not want us moving forward because they want us to live in an idyllic 1950s Ozzie and Harriet moment. Yeah. We are not there anymore. And, and and we have to think about this generationally. It's like you said, we can't just think it's going to happen overnight. Right. We have to look at this as a responsibility that's a generational responsibility. Mm-hmm. Where do we want to leave the country and what do we want it to be in a hundred years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we need to look at this. The thing that, that strikes me, and, and this is sort of the image that uh, came up as, as, as you were talking about this. I remember 9-11 there were and it's it's you know it's terrible to remember there were bucket brigades trying to pick people out of rubble mm. and they were handing off home depot buckets full of debris one fireman to the next to the next mm-hmm. to the next to the next to the next it didn't matter what fire department they came right. from yeah. it didn't matter what their skin color was mm-hmm. it didn't matter what their republican or democrat none of it mattered what mattered was America mm-hmm. in that moment. This vote is yes. us, God, that's and crazy. every vote is us putting our dreams yeah. and our faith in this country into Home Depot buckets and handing it off to future generations, yeah. regardless of their thought process. Right. Such a great uh, analogy and such a great point, and that's what we need to do. So that's where I'm going to end it because it's very positive. <laughs> Very optimistic. Um, Joe, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You have such a, an interesting mind, and I'm grateful for all of your your intelligence and your ability to put, you know, and I said this in the intro, but you can take complicated subjects and make them easily understandable in your threads, and they are very important. So thank you for that. Thank you for being on the show. And thank before, you. yes, before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you. I'm at Dempsey2 at D-E-M-P-S-E-Y-T-W-O, Dempsey2 on Twitter. And like I said, I'm going to be putting that uh, tweet thread in the description in the Patreon box, the consent decree thread. Must read, share it, tell your friends about it. Also, you you know, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E, wait, what is my name? K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, <laughs> that extra E at the end. And then, of course, my books are on Amazon. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, you take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.